Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello again, Sixpack Warriors. Welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, episode 143. Two weeks ago, I published an episode called Stupid Catholics, Bad Bishops, and Pretender Biden. I caught a lot of flack for calling stupid Catholics stupid and bad bishops modern Judases. I apologize for nothing because I never apologize for telling the truth. But if only I could learn to be as eloquent as Michael Vorse. Hey, Michael Vorse here, founder and CEO of Church Militant. I want to invite you to come on over to our website, churchmilton.com, and check out Evening News. It's our most comprehensive news show from an authentic Catholic lens, and it's live-streamed every Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Our goal is to clear up misinformation so Catholics like you can be informed. So what are you waiting for? Visit churchmilton.com today. On September 23rd, Michael Voris released a Vortex titled, Attacking the Evil. It was a talk that he gave to faithful Catholic laity in Dubuque, Iowa. In the 30-plus years I've been a Catholic, I've never heard anyone say the things Michael said at this event. His passion, righteous indignation, and dedication to Christ and His Church were absolutely evident. I told him that everything he said is exactly what our orthodox but cowardly bishop should be saying. He said the very same things I said on this show two weeks ago, but he said them with far greater eloquence and more like a John the Baptist-type prophet than a modern Catholic layman. He was so spot-on and so forceful that I know this much, I wouldn't want to be an American bishop who shows his stupidity by taking Michael on. I'm very well aware that many of you follow Church Militant and Michael Vorse. I'm also fully cognizant that many of you have listened to the Vortex I'm talking about. Still, I'm going to play his Dubuque talk for you here. For those of you who've already heard it, you probably need to hear it again. It's got a strong message for every Catholic. For those of you who haven't heard it, you definitely need to hear it paying very close attention to everything Michael says. On The Cantankerous Catholic, I focus on everything that's beneficial for your immortal soul. At Church Militant, Michael and his staff focus only on fighting the USCC bishops who care nothing about your souls and only care about getting your money. Church Militant fights for the church and the right we all have to absolute orthodoxy, calling a Judas a Judas and not caring about what might happen. Voris defends the truth. And because we all have a moral obligation to defend the truth, an obligation so serious that not to honor it will condemn your soul to an eternity in hell, I feel morally obliged to share Michael's talk with you today. Let's listen. For those of you who do not know anything about Church Militant, let me just give you a very quick uh, sum up of it. We began going on 16 years ago. I came back to the faith after a horrible life of mortal sin, thanks to the prayers and 
my tears, probably both, uh, of my mother, uh, pleading heaven, pleading our blessed, pleading with our blessed Lord, our blessed mother to uh, bring her two sons back. My brother was also astray. His sins are his. I won't talk about him, at least not publicly. Um, and after about a year or so, year and a half or so back in the faith, I said, uh, we need to tell people about the glory and the majesty of the faith. Not just these kind of little, you know, funny devotions we have and this little thing here. We need to let the world know what the Catholic Church is in its bones, what it is in its DNA, that it is Jesus Christ himself personally present here on earth. And when he said, I will not leave you orphans, I will come back to you, here he is. It was the church that poured out of his sacred heart when Longinus jammed that spear into it. And we are the heirs of that. Because we receive our Lord's body and blood, physically, we have the DNA of the God-man inside of us. This is no small matter. And yet, in the last 50 or 60 years or so, the shepherds of this church seem to have simply forgotten all of that or consider it too rude and offensive to speak about that. They decide to cover it up and hide it. And what happens after a generation and another generation of malformed seminarians who then go on to become malformed priests, who go on to become malformed bishops, the truth gets completely covered over. It gets forgotten. It gets relegated to a corner as offensive and divisive. And so church militants, along with many others uh, in the church, have said, well, bishops... If you won't say the truth, well then, by heaven, we will. Now, there's an awful lot of it. Let me just see so I can get an idea, a little gander of the audience. How many of you are familiar with our work at Church Militant? All right, so, uh, all right, the rest of you get familiar with it, Okay. There are certain claims that the Holy Catholic Church makes, and they are outlandish claims. They're heart-stopping claims, and they are either true or they are not. There's not really much room here for interpretation. We don't get to sit around and dialogue whether there is a God. We don't get to sit around and dialogue whether there is a heaven and a hell. We don't get to sit around and dialogue about whether some are damned. These are truths. The Catholic Church has asserted these since Golgotha, since before, when our Lord was walking around, the eternal Logos incarnated, come down from heaven, draws our human nature to himself for our salvation. Jesus Christ is first and foremost a savior. He is a teacher, he is all those other things, but he is savior. Even before he was 
conceived in the womb of our blessed mother. The angel Gabriel comes and says, and he will save the people from their sins. The angels in the night sky over Bethlehem repeat, he's a savior. Our blessed mother, while he's in her womb, goes to Elizabeth and says, God, my savior. Christ is a savior. That is his predominant role with us, for us. And yet the leaders of the church don't want to admit that. Because once you admit one thing in a logic sequence, all sorts of other things now fall into place. If he is a savior, well, then that must imply, it, matter of fact, directly implies, that there's something to be saved from. What is that that we need to be saved from? How are we to be saved? Why do we need to be saved? Jesus Christ in his holy Catholic Church is the only answer and the only means of salvation. And no matter how many bishops want to fudge that, play around with it, you know, couch it in different terms, whatever it is, if those bishops do not declare the fullness of that truth, then they are on the side of the devil. Now, when you look around at how many bishops and priests and religious orders and theologians and scholars at Catholic universities will not say this truth, you look around and you see that, you must conclude they have no supernatural faith. Now, I know, I'm a lay Catholic, been doing this work for, like I said, roughly 15 or 16 years now. We have about 6 million people that come to the website every month. And we announce this truth of our blessed Lord because we are obligated to do it. We are duty-bound. We are commanded by the God-man, the Son of God, to announce the truth. And whatever happens after that happens. Whatever that is. When the leaders of the church will not do that, they are setting themselves up for eternal damnation. It takes a while for faithful Catholics who believe the church, you know, go to Mass, have their devotional life, all of that, to come square in the face of the truth that the leaders of the church have, they possess no supernatural faith. That is a very difficult psychological hurdle to overcome. Because we, faithful Catholics, don't want that to be the case. So we're already... The minute we begin to entertain that thought, we immediately draw back and say, well, maybe we have something wrong. Those are the bishops. Those are the priests. We don't want to have to deal with that because the consequences of it 
are so horrible that we don't want to entertain them. Something like a wife who does not want to entertain the possibility that her husband is cheating on her. She smells the perfume. She sees the lipstick. She sees him quickly grabbing the phone and turning it off. She hears somebody say something to her kind of remotely. And she can't bring herself to accept the reality because her life is going to change. So she ignores it. But this is the reality. Your leaders are unfaithful. They are unfaithful. They helped elect a child-killing, sodomy-loving, phony Catholic into the White House. They did it for money. They did it for money because they are not men of faith. They resemble Judas more than they resemble Peter. They love themselves. They love their perversions. They allow sodomy-loving priests to roam around the country perverting the minds of young men and women. They will do nothing to stop them. They have all come out and committed that that child killer in the White House with blood dripping from his hands of tens of millions of innocents, holy innocents, are worthy to have the Lord of life placed into those hands of death and they say nothing about it. Now I ask you in your heart of hearts, do you really believe that a man who would allow that to happen and remain silent on it loves Jesus Christ, believes that Jesus is the Son of God, believes that this is the church he established? No! No! They condemn themselves by their own silence. They allow the sacred body and blood of our Lord, necessary, necessary to be received faithfully in order for us to be risen from the dead on the last day. They allow it to be putrefied by giving it to these child killers. Biden is not the only one. He's just the big name one now. There are dozens of these people in the U.S. Congress and the Senate. There are hundreds of them in state legislatures all over the country. And they say nothing, the bishops. They say nothing. They've said nothing for years about the homosexuality within their own ranks, of which many of them are. Listen to me. Many 
of them are. And those who are not, coddle the ones who are. These are not men of faith. These are not men of charity. They have taken billions of your money and paid off in secret agreements. Older men now who were when once they were young boys were raped by these priests. They have taken your money, billions of dollars, and paid it to attorneys to cover their crimes in civil courts. They are Herod's in bishops' miters. They speak no truth because they don't believe the truth. Remember when our blessed Lord came to earth and he stood there in the midst of those Pharisees. It was the religious leaders, the hypocrisy of the religious leaders that he attacked violently. There is no truth in you because your father is the devil and you do your father's will. Let me propose this in the simplest terms so we can all understand it. You need to get over this psychological hurdle that these men walking around in miters and going on like they're, oh, oh, how are you? Nice to meet you. Oh, kiss my ring, blah, blah, blah. That these men believe in Christ and the Catholic Church. They don't. They don't. So I'll ask you. They have staked out the position and they enforce it that no Catholic politician whose hands are dripping with the blood of tens of millions, tens of millions of children, not one of them is to be denied that sacrilegious Holy Communion. Which between God and Satan do you think agrees with that? They do the will of their father. And there is no truth in them because there is no truth in him. They despise the truth. They despise the truth like Judas despised the truth. And as we speak about the Eucharist and their unfaithfulness toward it, because that's what it is, it's unfaithfulness towards the sacramental presence of the Son of God. Judas did not betray our Lord at the Last Supper. Judas betrayed our Lord a year earlier in Capernaum. That's where the betrayal began. It just took a year to play out at the Last Supper. When our Lord... There's only one occasion in all of sacred scripture where our Lord preaches something and they all leave. They reject it. 
And that is the bread of life discourse in the sixth chapter of John, St. John's Gospel. And when he says what he needs to say, and they all get up and leave, and that horribly sad line in sacred scripture, many of those who walked with him no longer did. They rejected the teaching of the Eucharist. Because the Eucharist is the center because of who it is. And he turns to the apostles and says, well, are you going to get up and leave too? Notice he didn't go chasing after them. Oh, you've misunderstood me. Oh, no, that's not exactly what I meant. Oh, come back. I'll modify it for you a little bit. We'll gradually break you into it. He said, no, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life within you, period, full stop. So he turns to the apostles, are you going to get up and leave too? And Peter, those beautiful words, Lord, where would we go? You have the words of everlasting life. And everybody thinks the story ends there, the, the account ends there. But if you read on just two more lines, you hear our Lord say, one of you is a devil. Because he knew who would betray him. What? was the heart of the betrayal of Judas. It wasn't 30 pieces of silver. The heart of the betrayal of Judas was the belief in the real presence. He rejected our blessed Lord's truth that he is the living bread come down from heaven. St. Paul says, you receive this unworthily, you eat and drink your own damnation. So let me ask you, active ordinaries in the United States, roughly 190, auxiliary bishops in the United States, approximately another 100, some retired bishops, the whole number adds up to roughly 400, slightly less. 400 shepherds with barely a peep to protect the souls of those who, St. Paul says, are eating and drinking their own damnation. Nothing. Nothing. They don't care about Joe Biden's soul. They don't care about Nancy Pelosi's soul. They don't care about any of these souls. Least of all their own. They... Do not believe the one holy Catholic faith. Let that sit in your mind. Ingest that thought and realize what you are up against. Because that's what it is. They're not false shepherds. 
They're legitimate shepherds. They were ordained the apostolic succession just as Judas was, you know, official. But what they preach to you is false. Most of it is a sin of omission. You have a few crazies. Spiritually insane. Like Blaze Supich of Chicago. Like Joseph Nighty Night Baby Tobin of Newark, New Jersey. Of bishops who plot against the Church of Christ for their own personal benefit. They despise the truth. And I will tell you, in the starkest of terms, and I shall use the language from Scripture, they don't give a damn about your souls either. They don't care about your children's souls. They don't care about your grandchildren's souls. They care about your money. And they care about whatever prestige they think they can draw from you. They attack your church. They attack your faith. At its core, they, they attack all that is good. They promote a bishop, an auxiliary bishop out in L.A. that says we have a reasonable hope all men are saved. In defiance of the Queen of Heaven in Fatima, who split the earth and showed the children souls falling into hell like snowflakes in a blizzard, defying the words of our blessed Lord himself when the Son of Man returns. He will sit on his glorious throne and he will send out the angels and they will gather all the nations of the world before them and he shall separate them as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will turn to those on his left and he will say, depart from me, accursed, into everlasting fire prepared for you and the, the devil and all his angels. Does that sound like everybody goes to heaven? I come to bring you a warning. I come to bring you a warning. As long as you refuse to resist the evil of wicked men, you will get what you deserve. You must rise up against this. It is a destruction of the faith at its core. You cannot kneel at your bed at nighttime and say your prayers and say, I love you, I love you, and then keep your mouths quiet out in the world. Faith without works is dead. Truth costs. You nor I get to count the cost. That's not for us to decide. We are commanded to speak the truth in the person of who the truth is. And whatever happens to us, happens to us. Oh, my mother-in-law is going to be upset. Oh, my boss will get ticked off. Blah, 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 blah. Those aren't viable excuses, folks. Every single one of us here from all eternity was planned by the Holy Trinity to be here at this moment in time and space to defend.
defend the church and merit our salvation. And that is what we are commanded to do. That is the only reason, only reason anyone in this room is drawing a breath. And one day we will not draw another breath. And we will be entered into the judgment seat of God. And that is what we will have to be held accountable for. Did you defend me and my truth? Yes. Enter into my father's joy. Well done, good and faithful servant. We must be good and faithful servants, no matter who has set themselves up as enemies of Christ. God love you all. At one point, Michael said, quote, As long as you refuse to resist the evil of wicked men, you will get what you deserve. You must rise up against this, end quote. A moment later, he said, quote, Every single one of us here, from all eternity, was planned by the Holy Trinity to be here at this moment in time and space to defend the church and merit our salvation, end quote. That's the very most important point to the things Michael had to say here, in my opinion. It's really very simple. Defend the faith or go to hell. And if you think you're defending the faith by signing petitions or writing to the chancery office or expressing your dissatisfaction to your parish priest, you're only deceiving yourself. Those things aren't defending the faith. They're just voicing frustrations. Voicing frustrations isn't defending the faith. As you know, I'm trying to establish a new Catholic podcasting network. Not everyone's suited to hosting a podcast, which is tantamount to broadcasting a Catholic radio show. But those of you who are suited to it, you need to contact me right this minute so I can teach you everything you need to know to defend Christ and His Church to the globe with your own podcast. This podcast is listened to in 96 different countries, and you can do that too. However, unless you're homebound as I am, there's one thing that every single one of you can do to defend the faith and force our recalcitrant bishops to do as they ought. You can join Church Militant's Resistance. They have a chapter in almost every diocese in the nation. For your convenience, I've placed a link to the resistance in my show notes. Click the link, fill out the form, and someone will reach back out to you. You, they, and the Holy Spirit will take it from there. Act now or risk hell. I recently asked those of you on my email list to take a survey to help me give you my best in this podcast. Unfortunately, only about 10% of you six-pack warriors are on my list. So now I need the rest of you to help me out by taking the survey. There's a link in my show notes to the survey. This survey is anonymous, and I don't know who's taking it. The final four questions will help me with the new Catholic Podcasting Network as well. Then you'll be given an opportunity to get on my email list, but you don't have to sign up. This will just help you to stay up to date with the things we're doing in this apostolate. So please take the survey now. It'll only be open until after the episode we have on October 13, the anniversary of the Miracle of Sun at Fatima. 
Just click on the link in my show notes. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five. Hats off to Breitbart. Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas confirmed that 12,000 Haitian migrants who entered the country illegally were released into the country. By law, they are required to appear before an immigration judge when their cases are scheduled to be heard. According to the Department of Justice, 44% of those released into the country missed their court hearings. That just makes me mad! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 4 Hats off to the Daily Wire. Governor Greg Abbott has vowed to hire U.S. Border Patrol agents if they get fired by pretender Biden over recent developments at the border. If they are at risk of losing their job because of a president who is abandoning his duty to secure the border, you have a job in the state of Texas. I will hire you to help Texas secure our border, said Abbott. Several Democrats have criticized Border Patrol agents for riding on horseback to apprehend Haitian immigrants entering the country illegally. That's what I'm talking about. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 3 Hats off to the Catholic vote. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi told the press Sunday that she saw it as self-evident that Biden's Build Back Better Act, a massive $3.5 trillion infrastructure bill, will have to become smaller before it passes. I think even those who want a smaller number support the vision of the pretender, she said. Senator Joe Manchin has vowed to oppose the $3.5 trillion bill, arguing that its price tag is irresponsible and will damage the nation's ability to respond to future crises. We're watching you. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 2 Hats off to the Catholic vote. President Donald Trump told the Christian Broadcasting Network that Roman Catholics are very angry with President Biden for his support of the pro-abortion bill which passed the House Friday. If you look at his policies, and if you look at what he's doing to religion and organized religion, if you look at what's going on, I don't know how the Catholic Church can be supportive of him, Trump said. That makes me sad. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 1 Hats off to the Daily Wire. At a rally in Perry, Georgia, President Donald Trump made an offhand remark suggesting that it might be better if left-wing Democrat Stacey Abrams had been elected governor instead of Republican Brian Kemp in 2018. Trump has publicly feuded with Kemp over allegations of election irregularities in Georgia during the 2020 presidential campaign. (laughs) 
You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. I am hard, but I am fair. It's time for the Catholic Boot Camp with your drill sergeant, Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Learn the Catholic faith and how to defend it like you've never heard it before. This boot camp is tough, so there's no political correctness, no spirit of Vatican II, and no namby-pamby platitudes. Drill Sergeant Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, will prepare you for spiritual war. Now here's Joe Sixpack. There was some place I had to be one day, and I was really looking forward to the day's activities once I arrived. I found it difficult to find pleasure and get the most out of the anticipated activities, though, to say the least. The reason for my difficulty at finding pleasure came from the fact that I'm just a man with a fallen human nature. When I have to be on constant guard against temptations of the flesh and practice custody of the eyes at every turn to avoid giving in to temptations of impure thoughts, it takes all the joy out of any activity, anytime, anywhere. I had to spend most of my time looking at the floor rather than looking at what I came to see and participating in what I wanted to do. It seemed that everywhere I looked, some of the women there were dressed in the most immodest manner. Many of them looked to be falling out of the tops they were wearing. There were a lot of very smooth and attractive shoulders shown. A number of very well-kept figures were proudly accentuated by extremely fitted clothing. A couple of women wore shorts so high that at times buttock cheeks were visible. And I saw more thigh than I'd ever seen at Kentucky Fried Chicken. Some of the other men, I noticed, weren't simply looking at these women but rather they were gawking at them. Of course, this told me they had most likely succumbed to the temptations I was having difficulty fighting myself. This happened in July. I love to go swimming, but the reason I stopped going swimming at the river or the beach is because the bathing suits the women wear these days appear to be more like three postage stamps that cover only enough to keep them from violating the laws pertaining to indecent exposure. The problem is I wasn't at the beach or on the river, nor had I gone to a park. I wasn't even at Six Flags or Disneyland or any other venue of that sort. And I certainly hadn't gone to a strip club, although we men couldn't have been more tempted if that's where we had been. All the temptation I and all the other men there faced toward thoughts of impurity were because we were at our parish church for Sunday Mass. The ninth commandment is, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. This commandment forbids us all deliberate impure thoughts, intentions, imaginings, desires, and feelings deliberately aroused or indulged in. To avoid temptations of impure thoughts and imaginings, we must practice custody of the eyes, which means we have to keep our eyes from wandering toward those things that could tempt us. That's a little difficult to do, though, when practicing Catholic women keep putting flesh in the man's face where we've come to participate in the holy sacrifice of the Mass. The sixth commandment is, you shall not commit adultery. 
It's the sixth commandment that obliges us to be pure and modest in behavior when both alone and with others. This commandment of God forbids a number of things that are quite common temptations these days, and one of those prohibitions, perhaps the most common among them, is immodest dress. Jesus said in Matthew 5:27 through 29, You have heard it said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and throw it away. It is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. This means Jesus requires us to practice custody of the eyes, lest we condemn ourselves to eternity in hell. But that practice is extremely difficult when Catholic women bring the temptation to us when we're supposed to be focusing on a representation of Christ's passion and death on the altar. Jesus also said in Matthew 18, verses 5 through 6, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be thrown in the depth of the sea. Many people think Jesus is speaking only of little children here, but that isn't the case at all. He makes the point that we're all God's children, and when we cause another person who believes in Jesus to sin, we also condemn our own soul to hell unless we repent, that is, turn away from the sin, and seek forgiveness in the confessional. What this means, ladies, is that when you dress immodestly and tempt men to look at you lustfully, when a man gives in to that temptation, you've committed a mortal sin yourself a sin worthy of eternity in hell. Since you have no way of knowing when a man is tempted by the way you dress and gives in to that temptation, it's your obligation to dress modestly. You have no control over what a man does, but you do have control over whether you put a temptation in front of him by the way you dress. It's become so bad among our Catholic women that it's downright shameful. One young woman directly in front of me that Sunday made a half-hearted attempt to genuflect before seating herself in the pew, and it was no wonder why she only gave a half-hearted attempt to genuflection. Her dress was so short that even going only halfway into a genuflection, I saw her panties. What is the matter with you ladies? Do you have no fear of God? Do you have no fear of hell? If you don't care about your own soul, at least please allow men to avoid the temptations you present by exposing your bodies the way you do. Obviously, I'm not addressing all Catholic women, but the problem is common enough that it must be addressed. Mind your own business, Joe. Sorry, ladies, I can't do that. One of the spiritual works of mercy, works we're all required to perform, is to admonish the sinner. And women who dress immodestly are most certainly committing sin that offends Almighty God. So please, please, please stop offending God and causing men to be tempted to sin by changing the way you dress. This doesn't only apply to how you dress for Mass, but everywhere you go. 
Tempting men at church is terrible, but it's even worse to tempt men wherever you go throughout the course of your day. The reason is because it gives bad example in addition to committing sin. After all, who would want to become a Catholic if someone seeing you knows you're a Catholic and they see you showing blatant disregard for God's laws? That's why Protestant fundamentalists look down their noses at us, because they think we believe we can sin all we want as long as we go to confession after doing so. That simply isn't the case. If we do that, we're committing the additional mortal sin of presumption. I'm not letting you men off the hook either. Being a heterosexual, I have no idea what tempts a woman, or homosexual, to look at a man with lust. However, I do know that men attending Mass dress far too casually. The most common mortal sins today are sins of the flesh, whether they be of thought or action. Our Lady of Fatima told Lucia, Jacinta, and Francesco that more people go to hell because of sins of the flesh than anything else. That was in 1917, when men and women were far more modest in their dress and behavior. Imagine how much worse it must be today. We must pay more attention to God and His laws than our own comfort or the styles of culture and society. As you know, I don't like asking for your financial support. I always want a win-win situation whenever possible. Well, I've got a way for you to help this apostolate without you having to do anything you're not already doing. Everybody shops on Amazon. I've developed an affiliate relationship with Amazon. When you visit cantankerouscatholic.com and click on the episodes page, blog page, or about the show page, on the right-hand side of the page you'll see Amazon ads for Catholic books and merchandise. There's no price difference from Amazon's site, but if you click on something you're interested in and buy it, Amazon will pay me a small commission just for you clicking on that ad. It doesn't stop there either. Anytime you're on Amazon and find things you want to buy, send me the link to the items and I'll send you another link to click when you're ready to buy. You won't pay a dime more for the item, but Amazon will pay me a commission. That way you can help to financially support this apostolate just by doing what you were going to do anyway. Remember, Visit the episodes, blog, and about the show pages to find Catholic books and merchandise, and send me links to other things you want to buy on Amazon, and I'll send you the links that will pay this apostolate a small commission. And I thank you in advance for your support. The Catholic Church is 2,000 years old. A lot of wisdom is gained over two millennia. Each week we'll share some of that wisdom with a Catholic quote. So here's this week's Catholic quote. This week's Catholic quote is from St. Teresa of Avila. She said, You pay God a compliment by asking great things of Him. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. 
a missionary priest from another country happened to be visiting an American parish when he overheard a conversation between two men outside of the church after Mass. Why, Bill, you've put on weight. Don't you work anymore? I work about 24 hours a day, that's all. Impossible, exclaimed the first man. Not with the system, explained Bill. You see, I work about 12 hours a day at the shop and around the house, then I support good Catholic apostolates, and they work while I sleep. Everyone must contribute to the works of God according to his means, whether it be the parish, a worldly religious order, or a good Catholic apostolate. Jesus obligated us all to share and spread the faith, and it takes financial resources to do that. I'm certainly not advocating giving money to your bishop or the USCCB, but I am telling you that you must support those who genuinely do God's work. Bill had the right idea. He realized that one of the best ways he can share the faith is by making his money do it for him. It's sort of like making your money work for you when you invest it. The money is working even when you're not. This has been The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.